Amen. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, guys. Yes. No. no, no, no. I still have to preach a sermon. I still have something to tell you guys. I've been like telling everybody I've been busy like all morning doing little busy things to like shove those emotions down. Emotions, shove them down, shove them down. <laughs> so um, I love you guys. I love you. All the crazy ones, all the ones that are fun to hang out with, all the ones that... Ah, so much, but uh, no, there's so much love in this place for each one of you. So good to see some of your faces, uh, family that we have, fa- uh, community that we've not seen in a while, faces that uh, through this crazy year, so thankful for you uh, coming out and being with us on this day. Um, as you heard, we read this morning uh, the verse from Acts, and today is Pentecost Sunday, which when we kind of like reworked our schedule of when we were leaving and when our last Sunday, I really hadn't, didn't notice, didn't know that our last Sunday here was going to be Pentecost Sunday, which is really interesting as I looked at it this week, and I was like, wow, like God, like, like truthfully, if we understand Pentecost, which you will just hear in a few moments, is like because of what happened on Pentecost 2,000 years ago, is because of that, is because this church was established, and because of that, now we are called, sent, commissioned, and sent to go start a new work because of what happened over 2,000 years ago on that day of Pentecost. That is like, I'm like, wow, God, you're so good of like tying it all together. And so I know for some of you, we come from all different church backgrounds and, and beliefs and thoughts and stuff. And you hear the word Pentecost and you're like, what is that? You know, is that beehive hair, women with no makeup, women with too much weight makeup? Either way, the women are ugly. You know, it's just like, <laughs> wow. All right. Um, the next pastor next week is <laughs> This one pastor said that. He's like, man, when I started leaning into Pentecost, he's like, either way, I realized I was not going to have an attractive wife. Uh, <laughs> um, Pentecost, we think of the TV preachers with the prosperity gospel and all of that stuff. But the truth is, Pentecost, you know what it means? 50. 50th. It means 50 days from Passover. 50 days from Passover in the Old Testament, the, the story of the Israelites, they were captive in Egypt, and they're set free. God makes this way for them to come out of being slaves for 400 years in Egypt, and that's the Passover that happens of them sacrificing the spotless lamb, and they travel through the desert. They come to Mount Sinai 50 days later, and God's like, I want to meet with Israel, and God shows up, lightning, thunder, roaring, ground is shaking, and the Israelites are like... That's scary. Hey, Moses, why don't you go meet with God and we'll listen to you because that's intimidating. That's scary. That's like the first Pentecost. That's the Old Testament of it. And then we come to the New Testament of Jesus, that that next part of your Bible. And Jesus comes and he fulfills all of these Old Testament feasts and stuff. So Passover... He fulfilled that by being the sacrificial lamb, dying on the cross for our sins. That's what we celebrate as Resurrection Sunday, as Christians, as believers. So we are 50 days, 50 days ago, we celebrated Easter. So that's what brings us to this point right here of now celebrating Passover. And God is fulfilling again in the new church this like other day of like, okay, I did this 50 after they came out of, the, out of Passover from Egypt. And now I'm going to do something new and something exciting. 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And listen, it builds up. And like, so like, remember, so often we, we read the end of the Gospels. And we remember that last thing that Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 18. And we take this as the great commission. And this is what we're called to do. He says, and Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Now he's giving it to us. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. We did this morning. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you until the very end of the age. This is Jesus' last great commission, his great sending out of his disciples, these guys that he has walked with for three years. And we take that as the final words of Jesus, but guess what? The book continues. It goes into this book of Acts, and right there in the beginning of Acts, in Acts, we think that's the last thing Jesus said, but he actually said something else. He actually said, hey, before you do that, wait. Before you do that, wait. Here it is, Acts chapter 4, chapter 1, verse 4 through 5. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave him this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's what is happening. That's what we're celebrating on this this Pentecost Sunday. Jesus says, hey, hey, before you go, before you go, wait, wait, wait for the promise. Wait for the promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Before you go, change the world, invade the world with the love of Christ. Before you go to the ends of the earth, to to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, here, there, everywhere with this mission. Before you go and plant churches, before you go and start orphanages, before you go and start Bible schools, before you go and build hospitals, before you go and witness the people, he said, wait. How many of us love to wait? No. Waiting is non-existent nowadays, right? We're like, I mean, we, we... Our kids have no idea that things that they get frustrated when Amazon Prime does not show up within 24 hours. Like, you don't even know what it's like to be a kid in my generation and have to wait for things much longer, right? (sighs) So, he says, wait for it. Wait before you go do this. Because he knew without the empowerment of the Spirit, without the Holy Spirit inside of them, they would try a lot of things in their flesh. They would try a lot of things in their own strength. They would try to do it on their own things. But he says, listen, you're going to do it in your own natural ability, and it's not going to last. It's not going to be spiritually lasting value and accomplishment and fruit. You need the gift. You need the helper that he kept on promising about throughout the book of John. He's telling them to wait for it. So then, here they are. So he tells them that. We pick it up in verse 6 of chapter 1 of Acts. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, when are you going to restore your kingdom to Israel? Restore the kingdom of Israel. Missing the point again. You guys are focusing on the wrong thing, he says. He says, no, don't worry about that. I said to them, said to them, it is not not for you to know the time and the dates the Father has set his own authority. But then he says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is what's coming. He says, okay, he's coming back. He's got a plan. You don't worry about this. This is what you, you're going to receive power to be my witnesses. Then chapter, we, we jump forth. Some other things happen in the church there. Chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. Caleb read this this morning. I'll read it again. They were all gathered together in one place. Suddenly a sound like blowing a violent wind 
came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. You see this? In Exodus, there was wind and rain and shaking and thunder and lightning in the Old Testament when they met at Mount Sinai. Here it is again. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire separated and came and rested on each one of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Amazing, incredible, does not fit inside of our mind. We can't even fully envision that. That's like a, what do you do with that? Tongues of fire coming down, resting on people's head. That's confusing. That's weird. That's awesome. That's amazing. That is called lots of complexities. We have different denominations in the church today because of how people have interpreted, taught, understood this thing and put it into practice. All right, amazing, incredible, this thing that happens. But this is the most, that, that, that's amazing, that's incredible, but that's not the most amazing part. That's amazing, that's incredible. They waited, the Holy Spirit comes, and that's, the, that, that's one part of it. But that, honestly, guys, is just the appetizer. That's just the chips and salsa. Don't get filled up on the chips and salsa when the good meal is coming. All right, so so often we just stop right there. Wow, this is amazing, this is incredible. What does it say, verse 14? After they're filled with the Holy Spirit, he stands up. St Peter stood up with the 11, because remember, one gets gone to the 12 disciples, they're down to 11. He raised his voice, addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk. Remember, if you read the Bible, they're accusing them. These people are drunk. They're crazy. What are they doing? He's like, it's only 9 in the morning. That used to be a thing. Back then, you couldn't get drunk at 9 in the morning. Today, I don't know if there's still those rules. But anyway, then he goes on through verse 16 through 37. He's preaching this sermon. He's making it clear of who they are. And then he says this, the same verse that Elisha read this morning. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all those who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to, that num to their number that day. That's the amazing part. Holy Spirit comes upon them, fills them. Peter, who was once bashful, hiding, shy, you know, worried about people coming and taking his life. Now, all of a sudden, these disciples that have known Jesus, walked with Jesus, loved Jesus, know what Jesus is about. They've been, like, hanging out with Jesus now they have this crazy faith, this crazy boldness that comes from the Holy Spirit. They've been hanging out together. They've been praying together. And now they're empowered by God to do the mission that he's called them to do today. This is our story as believers. This is who we are, that we come to this place of not knowing Jesus, to a place of coming and fully knowing him, knowing his love, accepting his love, his forgiveness, seeing how he loves us, cares for us, knows us by name. We get to know who he is, and then he continues, and he's like, hi, I want to fill you with more. I want to fill you with more of this, so now you can go and be my witnesses everywhere you go with boldness, with boldness empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
This is my story. I'm a church kid. I grew up in church, around church all the time. Six years old, I remember a six years old on a Sunday night service, just a few people there. This man, one of the elders was preaching, Brother Milford, and I remember him calling for salvation. And I recall, like it clear as day, I mean, at six years old, making my way down the aisle and asking him. I was the only person that came that night to come be saved in front of the entire church. And then from that age on, I just kind of stuck with it, followed, yes, it was a kid, learning, growing, understanding, and learning and and knowing who Jesus is and growing in that. And then in eighth grade, I go on a mission trip with another church that we're going to Victoria, Mexico on a mission trip. And there we are in this open outdoor uh, service and it's all in Spanish and I don't know what they're saying. And this is the days of the overhead projector days, you know, like not the nice projectors we have, but like someone's changing the slides and I can't read the words and I'm just singing along and like, honestly, nobody even prayed for me and I'm just worshiping and pursuing Jesus. And I was baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit in that service. He filled me in that service. And from that point on, from that point on, through my high school years, I was able to be, I wasn't like Mr. Standing Up on the Tables preaching, but I never denied Jesus. I, I had a, people knew that I was a believer. They knew that I was a Christian. I stuck with it. I had a boldness to share in personal lives and took faith steps of Jesus following, following and leading me to go to Bible school and, and go on short-term mission trips and to India and uh, Mexico for a time and, and spend a year in Jamaica and like th these things and tell my story about like in Jamaica like because now the Holy Spirit is upon me and I've been equipped and, and filled like I had an opportunity to to set up and do gospel presentation assemblies in 160 schools where I stood on the stage of 160 schools and proclaimed Jesus and the gospel clearly. And I look at that and I go, if you would have known me in high school, if you would have even known me in college, I was bashful, I was quiet, I was a homeboy, homebody, a mama's boy, and now with the Holy Spirit, I'm standing up in front of all these schools and proclaiming Jesus is the way. That is what the baptism of the Holy Spirit does. And I'm not saying this to toot my own horn of, oh, look at Damien. I'm saying it's all him because I couldn't do it on my own. It's not me. I can't be up on this stage in my own power, my own strength. It's, it's, it would not ever happen. Which then through following Jesus through different ways, it's a 2012, after being on church and a staff that was clearly just heading in a direction that we didn't want to go, we were sensing that God was calling us to something different. And I remember that night in 2012, I think it was March 2012, Nancy looks at me and says, what would you do if you truly believed God was with you? What would you do if you truly believed God was with you, Damien? I said, I would start a church right here in the community that we were living in Batavia at the time, right here in this town where we could reach people that do not go to church. She said, I said, anything, anything you want to do. You sure you want to do that? <laughs> and it was just like clear that he was calling us to do that. And then this, this, this boldness comes up because, again, the Holy Spirit is in it. He's called it because what does he care about? He cares about reaching lost. He cares about to go be my witnesses to all people. Crazy things happen. I remember we had, like, the, the Gustins were one at our house, and they were, you know, if you count the Gustins, we were, like, 15 people in our, in our launch team, but there was really, like, 10 adults part of our launch team and just meeting in our house around the table and then went and met with uh, Batavia Main Street and heard about this thing called Block Party and said, hey, we'd like to come and do some bounce houses and snow cones and face painting and, and add to this event. And I kind of like was just all bold in that moment and offered all these things. And I was like, 
what did I just agree to? There's 12 people that are part of this church and we have $500 in the bank account. Like, what are we going to do? And somehow it came together and God brought people around and it just kind of got us there and it, it focused us on those that are not in church. And we had all kind of challenges and struggles. You'll see some of these pictures of the early days of we had a trailer that we used to haul to the Batavia High School and set up and some mornings it would be stuck in ice and we'd have to ship it out of ice to get it to go to church. And other days, like we couldn't control the temperature in this auditorium. We'd be freezing one day, hot the other day, very last day that we were there. So you guys got some of those pictures back there? Yeah, so all kind of things. Setting up tents and these outreaches and those tents would blow away every single time and wind would blow things away and, and things would blow over. And our very last Sunday there, uh, one of one of the Sam's kids got locked inside of a locker. The fire department had to come and get a kid out of a school locker. Uh, I mean, all kind of crazy things all the time. There was other times, uh, there's, there's this stage, the stage that we had, you never knew what you were walking into. It's like, I had to preach on that one time. They had like these two holes around it. So I'd like go on that and like, I couldn't move around very much because I would die. And uh, so it was like always these unknown things of what you'd go through. And man, just then we move into this building and just started knocking down walls out here in the lobby before we had even signed a lease. It was a step of faith. <laughs> I was like, no, this is ours. We're going to start remodeling it now. And um, so you can keep on clipping through some of those, flipping through some of those pictures. And even like I said, in this baptism, well, the very first time we baptized people, it was freezing cold water. They came up. It was Pentecost Sunday because everybody came up speaking in tongues. The water was so cold. And um, it's just, it's just amazing stuff. And then one night they, went, they, they drained the baptism. Well, this was an awful story. I had just arrived in vacation in Florida. And they called me and they're like, Damien, we just drained the baptismal. There's a sewage problem and sewage is coming up from all of the floor drains in this building. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm in Florida, can't help you. Thank God for Pastor Dan that was here and cleaned up that nasty mess. So man, just all of these things. And I look back and I go, was it worth all of the work, all of the challenges, all the difficult things? Yes, 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 absolutely. That first year, 35 people baptized in water. Now, as of today, 135 people have been baptized in water and following Jesus. $350,000 given to missions, going forth, empowering other churches. Amazing stuff. Because why? Because we have said we are leading people from where they are to where God wants them to be. We are leading people from death to life. We are meeting them from bondage to freedom, from religion to relationship, from believing the lies of the enemy and the lies of the, this world to standing on the truth of God. That is what we're doing. That is what we're called to do. So my Pentecost Sunday, my last Sunday here in person with you guys, at least for a while, I will be back. In a time when tra leadership transition is happening, a time when the Holy Spirit is moving and pouring out in this place in a new and powerful way, I just want us to remember, never forget the words of Jesus. He says, you will receive power to be my, to have holy, amazing, spirit-filled worship. You will, be my, you will receive power so we can just continually pray over each other have fire tunnels, have incredible good stuff of prophesying over each other. All that stuff is good, great, amazing, incredible. But why did he send the Holy Spirit? Jesus said, to be my witnesses. All of that stuff is great. All that stuff, but it is to, let's not forget why he gave us the Holy Spirit. To go and be his witnesses. Those apostles... 
They were filled with the Holy Spirit in that upper room. Did they stay in that upper room? Did they stay there? No, they left the upper room and they went and preached in front of the entire place. They were willing to, to, with boldness, whatever might become, they could lose everything they owned. They could be beaten. They could be put in jail. And some of them actually lost their lives for preaching this gospel because they could not hide it. It was about witnessing. Witnessing. And right now we live in a, in a world, in our cultural moment that we're in, we're not going to really get beaten or lose our lives. Not, God's not really calling us to be martyrs, but he's asking us, will you live for me? Will you live for me? In a time where it's intimidating to be a person of faith, and the world around us is trying to crush us to, to not speak about the faith that we have. So here we are this Sunday, moving this Thursday, 900 miles away from a church that we love from family that we love, from people that we've walked side by side with some, some of the toughest things, of community that we've invested in. Our mission field, we have viewed this Fox River Valley area as our mission field. We have labored these last nine years and now we are moving away. This is the only church my kids have ever known. It's the only memories they have of a church. It's the only place that they've known as, as home is this area. And so here's my final charge to you, is he has called you to go and be his witness. Go and be his witness. Go and be his witness. Go and do it, go and do it individually. Go and do it united with one another. Go and do it with your brothers and sisters in Christ. How many of you guys agree that unity is not always an easy task? Unity is not easy, especially you add in religious beliefs in the mix and methods and practices and personalities, oh, personalities that come around a table and you're like, oh, we're fighting, we're working for unity. In the world right now that we live in, you have to fight for unity. Not fight against each other, but we're gonna fight for unity, to stay together. You gotta pray for it, you gotta desire it, you gotta want it. Because everything that we see in social media worlds and how we, how we quickly put people into categories and, and all of this stuff, it wants to divide the Christians, even amongst each other. And not even there, like, even just the way that we treat each other, and family, friends, coworkers, and churchgoers. We want to keep the heart of unity together. Heart of unity, so that we may be his witnesses been thinking a lot during this time and reading the letters of the Apostle Paul. I was with Dan Dominguez last uh, Friday night, and he was like, one what's so encouraging is that he wrote each one of those letters to a church that he planted. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. Paul wrote these letters to the churches that he planted, and those churches got messed up. Okay? <laughs> Has anybody read Corinthians? Has anybody read Corinthians? I mean, come on. Like, he's writing this. This church has a myriad of problems, the church in Corinth, and they, they have some claim to have spiritual support, superiority over others. There, there's, there's one suing another in public court. They're abusing communion and the Lord's table. There's sexual uh, misbehavior. There's disorder in their gatherings, disorder in how they're operating the Holy Spirit. And Paul has to write them and say, I'm calling you to a higher standard, to a moral standard, and to be united. So people I love, don't make me write a letter. 
Don't make me come back here and straighten this thing out and fix it, okay? <laughs> Please don't make me do that. <laughs> so we have to be united. We have to stay together. So this is the thing. This is the reality. Conflict is inevitable. If you've been married for more than two days, you know that conflict is inevitable. You know that conflict is, is, is something that happens in life. And we don't all handle it the same way. Some of us, that we fall into one or two different categories, we, we either ignore it and just like shove it down and let it build up until it comes out and erupts in the wrong way. Or you thrive on it. You like look for it. Oh, there's conflict. I'm going to go jump into that because I love that conflict. I'm going to tell everybody. I got to tell the mailman, grandma, the person that welcomed me on the way to church. You got to get those feelings out. I can't hold them in. And when conflict comes, you know, we, we either lean to, to ignoring it or come out swinging because we think it feels good. But the real reality is in the long term, neither one of those work. So you've got to, in working through conflict, and here's my, my last call to you, my closing, as we're people of the Spirit, empowered to be his witnesses, staying united, staying united, and whatever God has ahead. Because you're smart enough to know that the next pastor that comes here is not going to be like me. And some of you guys, oh, thank God, we're going to finally get someone who can pronounce biblical words correctly. <laughs> some of you are going, oh, thank God, we're going to finally, maybe, maybe we'll have someone that can actually sing and not like be worried about the microphone being on when he sings or at least someone that can clap on beat. That would be amazing, right? Whatever it might be. We know that this next this next leader, pastor that God has called is going to be different. God has someone different, and that's a good thing. Because there's a new season ahead. There's a new time ahead. There's something different that's happening, and God has somebody different with a different perspective and a different calling and anointing to build here on what's been laid. So this is my prayer for you in this time of transition. John 13, 34 through 35, and I'm closing here in a minute. Team can start to come up. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. Love one another. I was looking at that and I was just like, wow, God has actually done something real in, in, the, in the community here has really drawn us to love one another. To stop back, previously, even a year ago, even to other men in the church, what we would say, we'd say, man, I really appreciate you. I really appreciate you. And just in, I would say, in the last couple months, it's moved from, hey, I really appreciate you. I really thank you for what you do. It went to, man, I love you. I love you. And that's weird. That was weird for me to get used to telling another man I love them. But this is what love does. Love tells, love believes the best. Love believes the best in someone. So if somebody rubs you in a weird way, they say an off comment, something, you go, I'm going to believe the best. I'm going to believe maybe they, maybe they had a bad day. I'm going to believe that maybe they're going through something that I'm unaware of. I'm going to believe the best in them. If someone you miss that's not here, I know it's been confusing in this time of COVID and, and coming back and, okay, I miss this person and do I reach out to them and it's been so long. Do we do? And you, you reach out to them, you call them, you pray for them, you send them a text, you give them a call. 
You love one another by listening to one another, praying for one another, calling each other. Hey, how can I help? Hey, what are you going through? Being there for one another. And you love each other by speaking the truth in love. When we see someone heading in the wrong direction, making poor choices, I hope, pray, that you guys would love me enough if I walked up here with my zipper down that somebody would have tapped me and said, Damien, hey, X, Y, Z. Damien, hey, you got a cliffhanger. You might want to take care of that. Like love helps people from making fools of themselves, right? <laughs> helps them from like, hey, man, you, hey, let me help you. Let me, you, you have a blind spot that you don't see. Let me lovingly come alongside you. And here's the last thing. I know and praying and believing that, and I know that God's doing something in this stage, in this season of this church. And I know that with transition and change and all of this stuff, two things I just ask of you. Is that in this time of, of, of identifying this next pastor that's coming, that you give them a chance, to give, give this process a chance, and then even when they get here, don't write it off really quickly. Give them a moment to get their footing. Give them a moment to kind of fall into place. And it's intimidating to walk into a room like this and like not know anybody and there are all these eyes looking at you. So give them a moment, extend them grace. And if you come to the place of you going to know, and you know, River City Church has changed, it's a different place, it's not my community anymore. I understand that happens. But please, please, please church, find community. Do not walk away from church. Find a place that you can belong. Find a place that you can be known. Find a place that you can serve. Find a place you can give. Do not, you are not meant to do life alone. You're not meant to. So as much as, I, that, that is my heart for you. I hope you hear that. As I love you guys. I care for you guys. And I just want the best for you guys. I'm just so thankful. Nancy wanted to come up and share something as we close here. I know we're going much longer today than planned. I'll blame it on Alicia. <laughs> and the worship team. And Daniel. And I'll blame it on everybody else. Do you have a microphone? River City Church, you guys have loved us well. We're not running away from anything because we have been the most loved pastors, I believe, in this area. It's amazing the love that you guys have showed us. So. Yeah, so I just wanted to say thank you for loving us. Thank you for inviting us over uh, for Thanksgiving and Easter and loving our kids and love each other and that's a big testament to the way that you have loved us and so we just want to say thank you Jesus is coming back right and he's coming for a bride that is spotless if you have something against somebody go knock on their door make it awkward forgive one another let's love each other right we're no longer like Democrat and Republican we belong to a monarchy there is one king, yeah. right? Yeah. And this world is changing, right? It's changing a lot. And it's time to put our war paint on because he's coming back and we need to be ready. We love you guys. Love you guys. <laughs>